So, brothers and sisters, the message of the story of Jesus feeding now the 4,000 and his follow-up teaching with his disciples, the message is that Jesus, let me just put the, the, the message out there, the main point, Jesus is fully willing and able to provide for the needs of his disciples. Jesus is fully willing and able to provide for the needs of us, his disciples. That's the message of God's word that would be uh, preached this morning. For those who have ears to hear, Jesus is fully willing and able to provide for the needs of his disciples. I hope to convince you of this uh, this morning uh, and to do so for the sake of your joy and for the sake of your peace in Christ Jesus. So by a ministry of God's word and spirit, uh, let us be convinced uh, that we can truly rest in Jesus, that we don't need to worry about our needs, and that we can trust him instead as our Lord and Savior. Now that phrase, Lord and Savior, gets thrown around quite a bit these days. Um, Jesus as one's Lord and Savior, or perhaps Savior and Lord. It's one of those expressions, I think, uh, that may become so cliche that, uh, that we think little about the true meaning of these titles, we might say, for Jesus. To confess Jesus as one's Savior, of course, means to believe that by His birth and life and death and resurrection, He has provided for your salvation. But to confess that Jesus is one's Lord means much the same. A Lord is one who provides for those under his reign and rule as Lord. A Lord is certainly uh, one who rules and reigns, and that's the aspect of Jesus' lordship that might make us and some feel uncomfortable because the effect of sin is to make us want to rebel against God's rule over us, thinking to throw off his law as our duty and responsibility. But a Lord is also one who initially and continually provides for those under his reign and rule. And another effect of sin is that we would not only throw off God's law, but throw away God's salvation. As sinners, we we deny our need for what only God can provide us. And we think to go it alone, as we say, without acknowledging, receiving, and giving thanks for the blessings of God in Christ. So my hope this morning is to convince you that uh, you can and that you must trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord as the one who saves you from your sin and rules over your life in such a way as to provide for your every need. Jesus himself teaches us in another place 
uh, about the futility of anxiety or the futility of worry. He, he asked the question in Matthew 6.27, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Have you ever stopped to reflect upon how absolutely pointless it is to worry? You have absolutely nothing to gain by worrying. Even more, you have so much to lose. Jesus asked, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And it can also be said that worrying actually subtracts from both the quality and the length of our lives. And yet it's one thing to know how unnecessary and futile it is to worry. It's quite another thing to refrain from doing it. That's what it is to be a, a Christian, one who, uh, who comes to understand the futility of sin, but also one who knows the power of sin as well. As we, as we come in humility to learn from God's Word, we will learn that sin is futility. Sin is a waste of our time. Sin is a reduction of, the again, the quality and the length of our lives. But as we respond to that lesson and begin to strive against sin, we come to realize that we are striving against the very flesh in which we live. So how can we be so convinced of the futility of worry and the provision of Jesus that we will then set aside unbelief and worry and take up faith and find peace in Him? Here's the first part of the answer. We will set aside unbelief and worry and take up faith and peace in our lives when we take note of and absorb the display of the character and identity of Jesus. The display of the character and identity of Jesus. The effect of reading Mark 8 may be the experience of deja vu, the feeling that we've heard this before. We may want to ask, uh, didn't we just read this? Didn't, we, didn't you just preach on this a few weeks ago? But it's not just a feeling, because indeed, in, in Mark chapter 6, is recorded the feeding of the 5,000. Here in Mark 8, it's the feeding of the 4,000. But on both occasions, as you may recall from our study of the feeding of the 5,000, on both occasions, we see a, a, a marvelous display of the character of a compassionate Jesus. In Mark 8, verse 2, Jesus says to his disciples, I have compassion for these people. Do you rejoice to hear Jesus say these words? I have compassion for these people. I would have you know this morning that Jesus has compassion for you as a sinner. I would have you hear Jesus say to you, I have compassion for you, and I am willing to provide 
for all your needs. And is there not a a striking contrast here between Jesus and some of those today who who claim to represent Jesus? It It would seem at times that the church is more interested in sending people home with less than they came with rather than being concerned to give people what they need for the journey. This was Jesus' concern as he prepared to feed the people that they have already been with me three days, he said, and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. But now we see not only the compassion of Jesus, but also the power of Jesus. Or to put it another another way, we, we learn not only the character of Jesus, but the very identity of Jesus here as the divine Son of God. And let's take note of the fact that between the compassion and the power of Jesus, any one without the other is useless. If Jesus is compassionate but has no power, then what's the point? But if Jesus has the power to intervene in our lives but has no compassionate willingness to do so, it's still to no effect. We need a Jesus who is compassionate and powerful. A Jesus who is both willing and able to act on our behalf. And that's exactly the Jesus who is proclaimed and made known to us here in God's Word. Having said, I have compassion on these people, verse 6 and 7 report that Jesus took seven loaves and a few small fish. For these he gave thanks to God, and he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And just like last time, from these few loaves of bread and these few fish, Jesus fed the entire crowd. It was yet another display of the power of Jesus and yet another display of the identity of Jesus as the divine Son of God. And I would call upon you this morning not only to note these things, the compassion and the power of Jesus, but I I would urge you also to absorb these things, give yourself to ponder the events of Jesus' ministry such as this one. Give yourself to keep the miracles of Jesus so present in your heart and mind that this is how you come to think of Jesus to think of Him as your Savior and Lord, being both willing and able to provide for you in your need. It's not enough just to note these things, because like the disciples who who didn't seem to recall the previous feeding of the 5,000, as Jesus asked how this next crowd might be fed, like the disciples, we... Am I right? We can so easily forget. And with forgetfulness comes doubt. Doubt as to the willingness of Jesus and and doubt as to the power of Jesus. 
we begin to doubt that Jesus can and will bless and provide for his own. So that's the first part of the answer, to to absorb within our understanding this this finally marvelous display of, of Jesus' character and identity. The question again is, how can we be so convinced of the futility of worry and the provision of Jesus that we will set aside unbelief and set aside worry and take up faith and find peace in our lives? The second part of the answer is to take note of this demonstration of the full sufficiency of Jesus' provision. This demonstration of the full sufficiency of Jesus' provision. You see, Jesus didn't just feed 4,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few small fish. That would have been marvelous in itself if Jesus had just fed 4,000 people with a few loaves of bread. But more than that, Jesus provided such an abundance of food for that group of people that when his disciples collected the food that no one had taken that was left over after everyone was satisfied, that's an important word, everyone was satisfied, yet there remained seven baskets filled with food. You will likely recall from the feeding of the 5,000 that there remained on that occasion a basket full of food for each of his 12 disciples. You will recall how the disciples had uh, expressed some indignation with Jesus at the thought that money should be taken from their funds to feed all these people. And so Jesus had designed his miracle so that a, a basket full of food remained, one for each of his 12 stingy disciples. It was designed as a testimony, as a lesson to them, testimony against their self-centered stinginess and as a demonstration of his power to provide for all these people and for his disciples as well. This time, however, the disciples had not begun by urging Jesus to send the people away. And Jesus had not specifically assigned them with the job of feeding the people. Instead, the disciples were simply asked, where, is, uh, where in this remote place can anyone find enough bread to feed them? It was still a matter of unbelief. But this time their unbelief came in the form of we might say, short-sightedness rather than, it would seem, stinginess. They weren't so concerned about having to pay for it themselves. They were more concerned about the possibility of even finding enough food in the first place. And so this time Jesus arranges his miracle so that seven baskets full of food remained, again, as a testimony against their unbelief, and as a demonstration of his power to provide fully for his own. The number seven, I'm sure you recognize, is the number of completeness, the number of fullness. 
And while the disciples could not envision how food might be found for all these people, yet Jesus provides for all these people fully, and he testifies to the fullness of his provision by the seven baskets full remaining in the end. The point is to know and to be convinced in our doubting hearts that when Jesus provides for his own, he provides fully. He leaves no need unmet. He leaves no portion unprovided. The, the provision of Jesus is not about supplementing what we've begun. The provision of Jesus is not about giving us a head start on what we must do and finish up. When Jesus provides for his own, he provides for them fully. All, everything, our every last need is met by Jesus. This then is how we will avoid unbelief and worry and and take up faith and find peace in our hearts by, by being convinced that Jesus is both willing and able, both compassionate towards us, and powerful to provide for us. And by being convinced that, that when Jesus provides, he provides fully. But the problem is that we, can we admit this? We are so dull. Let us not miss this lesson as well, as well the, the dullness of sinners like us. We cannot stand in judgment of the disciples without also judging ourselves. We, we, are, we are like the disciples in, in, in verse 16. They, they, they hear Jesus talking about spiritual matters, and, and, and yet they can only think about food. And so Jesus confronts them in their dullness, and he says, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you, not, do, you, do you not yet see and, and understand? Are your hearts so hardened? But having confronted them in their dullness, Jesus does not leave them there. His compassion continues. Remember that he is the compassionate Lord. Jesus does not leave them in their dullness, but he, he seeks to teach them. He seeks to make it clear to them that they might understand what they have seen with their own eyes. Don't you remember, asked Jesus, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they answered. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. Do you not yet understand? He said. And Jesus says the same thing to us today. As as we sit here healthy, well-fed, living in the abundance of this time and place. We must hear the question, do you not yet understand? Do you think it's a coincidence that you are alive and well in this day? Do you think you're lucky? Do you, do you, do you think you're fortunate? Do you not know that you are blessed by God? 
And we must hear it said, we, we must understand it well, that if our Lord wants to provide for us and to sustain our lives for another day or another month or another year or another decade, he will have no trouble, no trouble at all doing it. But also like the disciples, we, we need to get beyond the consideration of our physical needs and consider our spiritual needs. Jesus said to his disciples in verse 15, be careful, watch out, watch out for the yeast of the, of the Pharisees or the leaven of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Jesus was speaking of sin and, and unbelief. He was speaking of self-righteousness and, and pride. But the disciples thought Jesus was upset with them for neglecting to maintain a supply of bread in their travels. Jesus was giving them a, a crucial bit of information, instruction of eternal value and, and importance while, while they were thinking about bread. Food is important, there's no doubt. But one can be full of food and yet still in their sin. One can be very comfortable in their stomach and yet still on their way to hell. And what about us here this morning? Are we so concerned about food and shelter, so worried about health and healing that we fail to consider our eternal need for salvation from sin? We, we fight to ward off starvation, but how do we expect to ward off the judgment of God for sin? We must understand here this morning that Jesus has provided bread and meat, or, or, th- or that as Jesus provided bread and meat that day for, the hungry, for those hungry people, he also provides salvation for them and for us in our own day. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus filled the people that day with food, He can fill you today with righteousness. Are you hungry for it? Are you so very aware of being without a righteousness of your own? Are you thirsty for living waters? Then come to Jesus as your compassionate Lord and powerful Savior. He is the one who provides for you fully, And he does so as you sit down, as you hold out your hand to receive what he provides. From him, you can receive the forgiveness of your sin and the white robe of his righteousness. We must understand that the compassion of Jesus goes beyond his unwillingness to send the people away hungry. We must understand that the power of Jesus goes beyond his ability to divide a few loaves among thousands of people. His compassion goes to the point of being willing to die for you. 
and to face the wrath of God in your stead. And his power goes to the point of rising again from the dead. Scripture says that God the Father raised up Jesus, but Jesus himself said, I lay down my life only to take my life up again. Here is the power of Jesus and the power of Jesus for you. Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? The good news of Jesus Christ is that he is fully willing and he is fully able to provide for the needs of his disciples. There is no question as to his willingness or ability to provide salvation for you a sinner. The question is whether we as sinners will humble ourselves to receive what he provides. Will you? If so, rest in him by faith and begin today to live for him, always striving to be his disciple and always keep it Always keep it in your heart and mind that he is both willing and able to provide fully for you as you look to him in faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving us such a marvelous display of your compassion and of your power to provide for those in need. Help us to recognize that we need not worry, whether about food and shelter, and certainly not about the judgment to come. We need not be afraid, for you are the one who provides for us by your life and your death and your resurrection. Grant that each of us would put our faith in you, trusting you to be both compassionately willing and powerfully able to provide for us exactly what we need throughout our lives and even for all eternity. In your name do we pray. Amen.